Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Uh, I, I need to set this up, but it is a brand new year. Amen? And, and so I am excited about the new year. And as we kind of said last night, there are, uh, anyone need a bulletin? Raise your hand or anybody can get one? Or? All good? All right. <clears throat> I think we have done some amazing things over the last couple of years. I think 2022 was a phenomenal year, and we, we could talk a lot about how that's done. But, but guys, last year's gone, right? It, it's behind us. We're starting a brand new year, and I am starting with excitement. And so we're going to start a series this morning and going to be talking for several weeks um, on the subject of attitude. Attitude. Renee told me after, after we kind of got everything already done, and I didn't want to ask Josh to redo everything, but Renee said you should have named it B attitude. And that's really, that's really what we want to talk about. You need to be the attitude that you're supposed to be, right? And, and I, I would like to argue this morning, uh, if you'd allow me, I'd like to argue that the Bible is all about attitude. You know, the Bible says you cannot commit adultery and look at a woman with the wrong attitude and still commit adultery. You know, the Bible says you cannot kill someone, but have the wrong attitude and still kill someone. It's all about attitude. I would argue that it's not a book of do's and don'ts and a list of rules to keep. It is a heart attitude. And the Bible calls it ad, uh, calls attitude heart. But, but I would present to you that our attitude is absolutely the Christian life. All right. Uh, I believe it was Chuck Swindoll that said, I want you to think about this. I believe it was Chuck Swindoll that said that. Life is 90% attitude and 10% circumstances. Oh, my life is so bad. Everything's happening. No, it's not. It's your attitude. It's your attitude, right? It's not that life is so bad. It's your attitude. Fix your attitude. Life won't be so bad. And that's what we want to talk about for the next several weeks. So, so I, I hope that we can, we can make great progress in this. As we go through this morning and everything that we're going to learn in, in, the, in the weeks to come, um, I, I, here is my goal. What we're going to talk about this morning, we talked about it before. We need to go deeper. Okay? Every subject we're coming, no, we're not, we're, not, we're not bringing up brand new things we've never seen before. We're going deeper in what we already do. And many things we're doing very, very well, we need to do better. And can I just say this, no matter how great we get and how close to God we get and all the things we learn, we still need to do better. Isn't that right, guys? We, we don't come to a place where we say, well, we've arrived. No, we go do better. So what we're going to talk about this morning is, is, a, is a going deeper in where we're at. So here, here we go. Here, here's some questions I want to ask you. We'll, we'll get to the outline in a minute. Don't get nervous. I want to ask everybody this question. Everybody here, I want you to be real truthful. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to be real truthful, every single person here. Are you a joyful person? Why are you giggling? Are you a joyful person? 
Is your, would your life be expressed by you're, you're joyful? You enjoy life. You get up and you look forward to what today holds. You, you are full of joy. You, you, you are optimistic. You are excited about what life is. When problems come, you have joy. Is that you? And I like to also ask this question. Do other people say you are a person of joy? Because, you know, I've seen people who complain all the time and are always negative and it's always woe is me. And you talk to them and say, oh, I'm always happy. <laughs> they, they'll see themselves, right? But, you know, it's like those people that I see that are mad all the time. Oh, you can't make me mad. But they're mad all the time. Listen, sometimes it's good. But, but if I went and asked your spouse, if I went and asked the people you're around, are you a joyful person? Would they say, no, they're not a very joyful person. And can I say this? If you're joyful half the time and mad half the time, you're not a joyful person. Are you guys with me? Do you guys see why attitude kind of matters here? It is attitude. It is attitude that, that changes everything. So here, here's what I want to ask you guys. I got some smiles. I got some looks on that one. All right, I got a little bit of giggles. My guess is there's more than one or two people here this morning who, if you're real truthful, you're not a real joyful person. A lot of times you spend your life, you know, life stinks, complaining, venting, boohooing, right? Finding fault. So here, I'll bring two back in. Look, at, look right here. I, I want to ask this question. Very, very serious, serious heart attack. I want to ask this question. If I could tell you this morning, this, I am a, this is not hyperbole, this is not exaggeration, it's as serious as I can. If I could tell everyone here, everybody here, all of you, every single person, if I could tell you how to be joyful all the time, does anybody want to know? I want joyful all the time. Monday morning, joyful. At work, joyful. Wife is ugly, joyful. Husband is grouchy, joyful. Church is terrible, joyful. Is there anybody who would like to live that life? Now, here's the truth, guys. This is, this is I want to say this. I'm not saying it has hurt your feelings. I just, I'm trying to wake you up. I'm afraid there are some people who would rather stay ugly than to find out how to be joyful. Because you just enjoy complaining all the time. Now, if that's you, I'd just go on out back in the fellowship hall, eat, and we'll be back later. All right? Because the rest of this message is going to help you a bit. If you like being unjoyful, if you like being miserable, if you like complaining, how many of you know complaining is a sin? The Bible makes it plain. Complaining is a sin. It says murmur not. King James Version, take that out, put a regular word in there. Complain not. Any complainers here? Okay? But if I could tell you how to live a life of joy all the time, every minute of every day, is there anybody here would be interested in knowing what that is? Because I'm going to tell you. I titled the message... Jesus's secret. Jesus' secret. Now, here's the funny thing about that. As I've been studying this message, we're not going to have time to run through it this morning. But the secret that I'm going to tell you this morning, this book is full of it. It's just full of it. And Jesus, here's a strange thing. Jesus writes it right on plain, plain language right in front of us. The secret that I'm going to tell you. 
I'm going to give you a secret this morning. It's a secret. I'll be honest. Most Christians do not know. Most churches do not practice. Most people I've ever been around do not do this. It is a secret that I think that almost nobody knows about, but it's in plain language right in front of us. What do you think about that? But you know, Jesus said some strange things. He said, you have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. Can I tell you this? You know how to read, but you're not reading it. What he's saying is sometimes the truth is right there in front of you. <laughs> and you say, I've never heard that secret before. And I'm going to give you a secret this morning that will make every one of you happy all of the time. And there are a whole lot of Christians been saved for 40 years. Say, I've never heard that a day in my life. And there's others of you who say, well, I've read that a thousand times, but... I don't want that. And then there are some of you who are going to say, that might be true, but I will not do it. And you will go on complaining and being miserable all the time. Is everybody with me? So here, so are you ready to find out the big secret? Are you ready to know what this new secret is that no one's ever told you before, a brand new thing that Christians do not participate in, that no one does? Are you ready for that new secret? All right? Because I'm going to give it to you. I'm so excited. But while I'm telling you how great it's going to be and how joyful it is going to be, can I tell you, it is what Jesus said, okay? But before I give it to you, can I just give a little disclaimer? You know that fine print you got to read down at the bottom of the page? Look, look right here. Look right here. Every one of you, every one of you is going to want to spit it out. And you're going to say, I don't want that. <laughs> that tastes terrible. Spit it back out, right? I want that. Here's the, here's the thing that's amazing to me. Jesus gave us a secret that would give us joy all the time. And when we hear it, a lot of you will say, that tastes terrible, and spit it right back out. Okay? Anybody want to know? So I'm not going to ask you to stand. We already stood one time. Let's read, let's read the Word of God. Let's see what it has to say. Very powerful, powerful parable that Jesus gives here in uh, Luke 17, 7, 10, or 7 through 10. <clears throat> And Jesus says, but which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me? Till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doeth he thank that servant, because he did that which was commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye have done all those things which ye are commanded, have commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, I think this is obvious, but just make sure that everybody's tracking with me. Who's the master? Who's the master, guys? It's Jesus. Jesus, the Lord, he's the master. Who's the servant? We are. Okay, get it straight. 
It's plain language. This, you guys say, I've read that a hundred times. Okay, well, let's see what it means. So, so we have the servant. So, so that word servant there, it's, it's almost unfortunate that it, was, uh, that it was translated servant because it is the word doulos, and it, and it is literally the word slave. And I love this definition of this word slave. It is, it is said, one that is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. Do you get that? What you want? Doesn't matter. What Jesus wants is everything. What he says, you do. What you want doesn't count. <laughs> that's a slave. And that's what we're called to be. And that's what we're called to do. So this slave, this, this servant, has been out working all day long. Maybe he started before the sun came up, been out working in the heat of the day, worked all day long. Came in 12, 14 hours later, he is tired, he is hot, he has not ate all day, he is starving, he has used himself up, he has worked like a, just as hard as he can for the master. And he comes into the house and the master says, fix me something to eat. You've been sitting there all day, you lazy bum. No, he says, you're my master. I've just worked 14 hours without eating, but I will fix you something to eat because I am the slave and you are the master. And he says, after you get through working that long day and the heat and all that you've done and you come in and you serve me and you continue to do what I ask you to do and you've, and you've given, you've given, you've given, you've given, you've disregarded your own wants, don't think, look at me, I am really a good slave. He said, you're nothing. You haven't impressed me. You've just done what I called you to do. I called you to be my servant, to be my slave. Okay? That's the secret, guys. See why that doesn't taste so good? <laughs> See why that doesn't taste so good? So let's look at it. This parable that Jesus gives, clearly what the slave wants, what the servant wants, does not matter. Even a little bit. His, his desires, his feelings, his wants do not matter whatsoever. What the master wants is what matters. It, it, is, it is what is all important. So this servant has set out to do whatever makes the master happy. And as long as the master's happy, the servant is happy. Because the servant's not in it for himself. He's in it for his Lord. Okay? Now... Is that a little different than how most Christians live? <laughs> we say around here all the time, we say this almost every service, we say this all the time, it ain't about us, it's all about Him. Why are we complaining so much? If it ain't about us, but it's all about Him, why am I always mad when I don't get what I want? It must be about us and not about Him. But Jesus said, the master is what matters to be pleased, and you really don't matter. Just a real quick side note. Do you guys see how this is so diametrically opposed to what's being preached in our pulpits? The prosperity gospel. If you come to Jesus, he'll just give you what you want. He'll make your life perfect, and you won't have any problems. No, no, Jesus says, you come to me, and you will serve me. And I will be your master. Okay? Now, if I just stopped right there in the message and I went across the whole thing, all of you would say, what in the world does that have to do with joy? <laughs> that sounds like the most miserable life I could ever live. You're asking me to not think about me and to think about Jesus? You're asking me to live a miserable life? That sounds horrible. 
But guys, Jesus had a secret. Jesus had a secret. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 9, just a couple pages back. Luke chapter 9, and verse 23. Jesus had a secret. Put it right out in plain sight. We We just like to overlook it. We believe the Bible, don't we? Anybody here believe the Bible? We believe the Bible, guys? Okay, make sure before we read this. Verse 23, uh, Luke Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. What in the world? Deny himself. Take up his cross. That means die, guys. That, That means die. And follow me. You're dying to self. But here's the the secret. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Do you know that that text is written over and over and over throughout the Gospels? Jesus said, when you're thinking about you, you're going to lose you. But when you're not thinking about you, I'm going to give you everything. Are you guys following this? It's pretty amazing stuff because this is not how we think. And, and, and I think some people, let me, let, me, let me make sure I translate. We talk about this all the time around here, but let me, let me reemphasize something. Some people like to translate this scripture, and this is wrong doctrine, guys, but some people like to translate this, well, if I sacrifice everything in this life and my life is absolutely miserable, but at the end I get to go to heaven. Guys, that's not what this is saying. You know what this is saying? If you quit focusing on you and forget you, you could have riches you could never imagine because you'd get Jesus now in this life. Guys, right? So so if we put ourselves out of the way, that's how we have joy. So let's, let, let's look at how this works just real quickly. Uh, number one, our outward servitude. I think we do a pretty good job at Sand Hill. We have promoted this around here. Um, I see you guys out there, you know, picking up other people's plates off the table and doing the dishes and, and all the, you know, working around here. We got a lot of hard work. Around. I, I was thinking this, this, I probably shouldn't say this, but you know me, I'm going to say it anyway. I was thinking this, this, we got to think about this message. I, I feel sorry for some of you because Sand Hill's a really hardworking church. It's a really hardworking church. And I was thinking today, I just, I just kind of got to think about this this week. I kind of feel embarrassed for some of you because this isn't like a normal church. You don't get to come in here and be lazy. You stick out like a sore thumb. Because everybody else is working like crazy and you don't want to do anything. And there's hardly anybody here that's like it. But there's a few of you that don't want to do anything. And I feel bad for you because you're, it's embarrassing that you're not working hard like everybody else. But that's just a little side note. Just for the fun of it. <laughs> Just for the fun of it. But, but we are a hardworking church, and we are a serving church, and we are very good at working and serving and, and doing all things. And we, we need people over here to do this job, and we'll have a whole bunch of people come over here and work, and, and we need to clean this up, and we have people do this, and we, we need to unload a trailer. and whatever. So we're, we have a very hardworking church. But guys, we need to do better. We need to do better. So there's that outward servitude. That, there's that outward, I, I work hard, I clean up other people's messes, I clean up the table, I do dishes, I, I work around here, I, I do a lot of things. Praise God. I praise God. We, I, can, can we just stop right here in the message for a second? Can we just praise God we don't have a lazy church? We got a hard-working church. 
We, we got a hardworking church who, who, who get a lot of things done, praise God. But, but let's go on a little deeper. Let's go on a little farther. A servant's heart, his attitude. What is a servant's heart supposed to look like? Well, if we look back at the text, both, both uh, in, in chapter 9 and in, verse, in chapter 17, we see that a servant, a slave, never thinks about themselves. Guys, do you see how huge this is? This is anti-American. I think it's anti-Baptist and it's anti-Christianity. But do you see how big it is to quit thinking about you? You don't count. Let, let, me, let me give you this little, little thing, this little tidbit. <clears throat> When you're preaching up here, but Steve, everyone's going to think, you know you shouldn't say that, and then I go ahead and say it anyways, right? But I'm going to go ahead and say it. But, but a lot of churches, and, and, and dare I say Sandhill Church, they're all about, well, I didn't get recognized, they didn't call on me, they didn't do this, I've got my feelings hurt, I'm never coming back. Well, here's the thing, when it's not about you, you never, ever, ever do that. I can tell you people, you're not good for nothing. And you still come back. You know why? Because it ain't about you. We're not here to make you feel good. We're here to make Jesus feel good. You don't get your feelings hurt because it ain't about you. I could not tell you. We don't do this anymore around Sand Hill. But I could not tell you the time someone said, Oh, Pastor, did you know you hurt so-and-so's feelings? You didn't shake their hands. You need to call them and apologize. No, they need to grow up and quit thinking about themselves. Come on, guys. Do we want to be babies or do we want to be grown adults? Do we want to be mature Christians or do we want to be little babies with pacifiers? We could get a bunch of pacifiers and hand them out or we could say, it's not about you, it's about Jesus Christ. And that's what makes our church great. Because I'm not here to serve you guys. I'm here to serve Jesus Christ. Amen? Kevin, can I use you for a minute, buddy? <laughs> he come in and Josh told him he was nothing. Kevin said, he's new to the church. He was new to the church. He's one of us now. I, I can abuse him now because he's part of us. Kevin said, Josh said, Kevin, Kevin's nothing? And then Kevin got to realizing how much happier he was when Kevin is nothing. See, when Kevin was something, there was always something to be upset about. But then he found out when Kevin's nothing... There's really not anything to be upset about. Do you guys follow this? It's a secret that nobody knows about. And you guys are getting in on it. Quit thinking about you and you'll be happy all the time. Think about you and you cannot possibly be happy. Do you guys get, this is what Jesus was trying to tell us. Do you guys get that selfish people are never happy? They're never happy. Listen, this world and everything it has is not enough to make yourself happy. You can't be happy. It's impossible. But if you stop thinking about you, you can have joy all the time. So, never think about self. Joyful to serve the master. Now, I want to, I want to run this one home. I am glad that you will go pick up someone else's plates when they get done eating. Praise God, your servant. I am glad... You will go do dishes and wash them for everybody else. Praise God. 
I'm glad you'll vacuum the floor or unload the trailer or come over here and help decorate for something or set up the nativity scene. I'm thankful that you are a servant and will do all of those things. But can I tell you, very straightforward, if you are doing that and you're mad while you're doing it, because so-and-so's not here doing their part, you're not a good servant. You're a bad servant. Doing the work is not enough. It is having an attitude, I'm serving the master. Sister Lily, tremendous blessing. She's been to the church. But she, I don't even know if anybody knows this, and, and, and I don't think she really cares. But back when we were doing activity and everything, she came over here and worked all day long many, many days, all by herself. If she's doing that for Jesus, it doesn't matter that all of you are sitting home watching TV, eating chocolate cake. Right? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that she didn't have any heat and that it was cold and that she was all by herself. If you're serving your master, what does it really matter? But if you're serving yourself, you will sit there and think, I can't believe Renee's not over here. She's probably having fun right now. I can't believe Amanda's probably went out and did something with her family. I can't believe Wilma's probably enjoying herself. While I'm here. See, that's not a servant, guys. That's not a servant. <laughs> that is a selfish worker. But Jesus said we don't think about ourselves. We think about the master. And that changes everything. So we need to not only do the outward servitude, the outward of uh, doing the work, but we need to get the attitude right. I am so happy to take your dirty plate with all the dirty food on it and clean it up for you. I am so happy to wash your dirty, grimy dishes. I am so happy to vacuum up your mess all over the floor. I'm so happy to do that because I'm serving Jesus, not serving you. Are you guys getting this? And guys, that changes everything. Boy, this is, a, this is a hard one to swallow. Servants have no rights. Slaves have no rights. You're not going to talk to me that way. Well, I guess you have rights then, don't you? You're not going to mess this up on me. You're not going to do this on me. See, it's all about you. But can I tell you? You do. You don't have any rights if you're a slave. But how many of you know that we have a good master? See, I may not have rights, but I got a good master. And he will always take care of me. Do you know, <clears throat> I keep having these moments of saying what I shouldn't say. All right, do you guys know that there's a lot of times people do things to me that really irritate me? All right? I mean, I've worked really hard, and you come over here and mess everything up. And here's what I've learned. If I don't tell Josh, I don't tell Tom, I don't tell Terry, I don't tell anybody, I don't complain, I don't fuss, I don't make a big stink, I don't go to that person and chew them out. If I just say, Master, I'm serving you, he fixes it. He fixes it. But if I say, Josh, you won't believe what they did to me. They, they, they interfered with what I was doing. Tom, Terry, will you get over here and fix these guys? Someone chew them out. They messed me up. You will always be miserable because you're thinking about you. Guys, do you see how huge this is? Thinking about you, thinking about Jesus. Which one is it? Okay? And we need to start thinking about Jesus all the time. So this next one, 
Um, we've talked about lordship salvation many, many times here at this church. Just real quickly, in case you aren't up to speed, big, big, big controversy in Christianity. Go across the world. John MacArthur got into this big fight. Big, big controversy. Some people say you can be saved by asking for forgiveness of your sins. You go to Jesus. You say, forgive me of my sins. I want you as my Savior. You take him as your Savior. You do not make him Lord. You make him Savior. So he forgives you of your sins, but he doesn't have a right to tell you what to do. If you mature and grow over the years to come, you can then take him as your Lord at a later date. Okay? There are other people who say... If you get saved, you come down and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and I commit my heart to serve you the rest of my life. And that's making him Lord. Now, here at this church, we would believe that you make him Lord when you get saved, and so that is lordship salvation. But here's the thing, guys. Though that has been talked about many, many times, though hopefully most of you believe that, though we believe that if he's not your Lord, he cannot be your Savior, Here's what a lot of people translate that to mean. I am a Christian. I accept Jesus as my master. I will do what he tells me to do. If he tells me to move to Africa, I will move to Africa because he is my master. If he tells me to clean toilets, I will clean toilets. If he tells me to do anything, I will do it because he is my master. But I'm going to be mad about it. Do you see that's not what lordship is? Lordship is not I'll do what he says, but I'm going to grunt and growl the whole way and complain and fuss and be mad at him. I don't know why he's making me do this. Josh should have been the one doing this instead of me. See, that's not lordship. That is saying he's controlling you, but you still have a bad attitude. And guys, we need to, we need to fix our attitude. Okay? <clears throat> so this is, this is huge. When we learn this is not a sacrifice, this is a blessing, everything changes. Let me say that again. When we learn that being a slave, being a servant, not thinking about myself, doing what God wants me to do, focusing on Jesus, when we learn that's not a sacrifice, that is a blessing, everything changes. See, it doesn't sound very good and it doesn't taste very good, but if you'll quit thinking about you, you will have joy all the time. Okay? And if you understand this, Jesus is, here's the secret, guys. Jesus is not asking you to make a sacrifice. He's saying, can I bless you? Can I give you a blessing? Can, can I make your life better? Not when you get to heaven, but right now. Can I give you the most amazing life you could ever imagine? And we say, no, that's a sacrifice. No, it's a blessing. So I want you to get this thing. I, 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 I had this idea sometime back, and maybe I've got the wrong word here, and I can't, I can't think of a good word, but maybe i got the wrong word here. But I had thought about it, and this is kind of a, almost an oxymoron thing because it's almost a contradiction. But I, I had thought about, in, in trying to promote being a servant, being a slave, I had thought about the idea of a competition. Maybe that's not the right word. Maybe, maybe I got the wrong um, word there but here's what I had in mind when you figure out how great it is to be a slave and how blessed your life is when you serve you want to do it so so let's let's turn this around if every time you took out the garbage we gave you a thousand dollars 
How many of you would want to take out the garbage? I mean, they'd be standing in line. It wouldn't be, please, someone do it. Please, someone do it. You'd be standing in line. Can I say, if every time you did the dishes, we just deposited $10,000 in your account. How many of you say, sign me up? Right? When you have to come over here and work all by yourself, cleaning some mess up that someone else made, but you get $10,000 for doing it, how many of you would say, I'm in? But guys, I'm a serious heart. If you're asleep, please wake up right now. Jesus wants to give you something way better than $10,000 way better than $10,000. He's going to give you joy. He's going to give you peace, contentment. He's going to give you the thrill of working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is a blessing far beyond $10,000. And when you learn that by being a servant, you get something better than $10,000, you're going to want to do it. So John, I don't know if anybody knows this, but... um, this is what I'm talking about. This is, this is my competition thing I'm talking about. Maybe it's the wrong word. John comes to the church. He's trying to find a place to fit in. He doesn't want to step on any toes, but he wants to find a place to fit in. And he comes up with the idea, I notice a lot of times these trash cans are full and nobody's taking them out of here. That is my job. I take out the trash. My job. Okay? And man, you should see him taking the trash out. He's like, I mean, I'm taking the trash out. I mean, it's fun. It's a, and, and I can tell by John, he's doing that for Jesus. He wants to do it. So this is, this is the competition part. A couple weeks back, I don't even remember who did it. One of you sorry scoundrels around here. But somebody took the trash out. He was not happy. <laughs> he was not happy. You stole his blessing. You took away his joy. He was going to take that out and serve his master, and you took it away from him. He said, who took out the trash? It was here, and now it's gone. That's my job. Now, you guys laugh a little bit at that. But that's what I'm talking about. If you knew you'd have the best week you've ever had, if you did dishes for three hours out there, you'd be beating that sister up, beating her out of your way so you could do dishes of her. And when Bessie's doing them and I'm not, Bessie, you're stealing my blessings. Get out of the way. I want to do the dishes. Right? Is anybody getting my point? There's a blessing here to be had if you just get it. Some of you are too worried about, well, I did it last time and they didn't do it and this ain't fair. Listen, you're never going to get blessed that way. You're never going to get joy that way. But if you say, Wilma, get out of the kitchen because you're taking my blessing. I want my blessing. And I'm doing those dishes. Now, I'm being a little bit facetious, but I'm trying to make the point. When we understand this is how we get blessed, we're going to want to do it. We're going to, John's going to chase you down that part. I'm going to take that bag away from you because he's putting it in the dumpster, right? I'm showing you that you can own. And can I just, and I don't, I hope you understand this, John. Can I tell you that John doing that, is just as important as me standing here preaching this message. That's his job. That's what he does for Jesus. And that's just as important as what I do for Jesus because it's my job. And guys, when we get that down, <laughs> we could be beating each other up trying to deserve instead of that sorry so-and-so, I was out here doing it while they were sitting down inside the church. I cleaned up last time and they're not here. No, no, no. I get double blessings because I did it two weeks in a row. Are you guys getting this? Do you want to be blessed or do you want to keep on being miserable? 
It's all about attitude. Lastly, let's jump down to attitude towards others. Let's look at Romans chapter 14. Interesting text. We're still talking about slaves and servants and, and all that good stuff. If you know this in context, what this chapter is about, we'll tell you here in just a second. But Romans 14, 4, it says this. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now, in context... This chapter, if you're familiar with your Bibles, this chapter is talking about, if I could say it this way, this chapter is talking about one Christian who knows what's right and is doing it, and another Christian who does not know what's right and is not doing it. It's talking about eating meat offered to idols, and, and, and Paul clearly ends up, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with those of you who are eating it, but the guy who is not eating it and is ignorant and is not doing it according to God's will, you don't have the right to judge him. So it says, you are a slave... And they are a slave, but they're doing it wrong and you're doing it right. And Paul says, you don't have the right to judge the master's servant. I am a slave and you are a slave. And we both serve a good master. And when you're not doing it quite right, I don't have the right to say, you sorry person, you're not as good as I am. Is anybody getting this? Is it big? This is really, really, really important. We don't have the right to judge others. We've got to keep our eyes on the master. So guys, let me ask you this question. I want us all to Sand Hill. Now, let's just stop here just a second. Let, 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 let me rephrase that. Let me address particularly, and I'm not going to call you by name, but you know who you are. I want to address the people who do all the work around here. You know who you are. You're always here. You're always faithful. You're always a hard worker. You're always doing it. What about those other lazy people in the church who never show up to help? Are you supposed to be mad at them? <laughs> to their own master, they will give an account and not to you. Do you guys see how huge this is? Really the way we need to start thinking, guys, is he's sitting home on the couch. He's missing out on the blessing that I'm getting because I'm here working and he's not. They went to Cedar Point. They went to a ball game. They went to do this. They went to do that. They're out having fun. I'm getting blessed by Jesus. They're the one getting shorted, not me. And that's the way we need to look at it. So the, guy, the, the, the fellow servant who is lazy, we don't, we don't get mad at them. We don't judge them. They stand or fall to their own to their own. Master, <clears throat> let me meddle just a little bit. I don't have time to expand on this like I would like to, but let me meddle just a little bit. If you are a Christian and your spouse is a Christian, do you realize that both of you are serving the same master? See, I married, I don't know if you guys know this, I married the daughter of the king the king of kings, and I live with her. Now, how many of you brothers, just, just help me here just a minute. How many of you brothers, if you found out your son-in-law was abusing your daughter, would say, I'm good with that. CJ's beating Rachel up every night. I, it's, I don't care. It's, I'm good with that. I don't care. 
he's cruel to her and mean to her and hateful to her. It's his problem. It's not my problem. Listen, that's my girl. You guys following that? You guys that don't have girls that are growing up yet, just imagine if someone was abusing your daughter. Can I tell you, that's the daughter of the king, and he loves her more than I love Rachel or Juliet or Kari. Hard as that is for me to fathom. What I'm saying is, Renee has a master, and I have a master. Our eyes ought to be on the master and not on each other. Do you guys get this? Now, how many? This, I know this is a news flash. I know this is going to be a big surprise. I go, oh, never knew that. But how many of you know there are no perfect marriages? Anybody know that? There are no perfect marriages. The guys, it doesn't exist. Those people say we never fight. Pfft, liars, <laughs> liars. Well, our life is just always perfect. We have perfect marriage. Liars, bunch of liars. It ain't true. Then my wife is perfect. <laughs> Liar. She is not perfect. My husband's, no, he's not. Now, we all know that's true. Are you willing to allow your fellow laborer, your fellow slave, your spouse, not be perfect? Because, guys, we got to love them. And they have to report to their master. Is that the truth? And, and, and women, you have to love us no matter how stubborn, hard-headed, and grouchy and mean we are. Guys, that's what the Bible says. Come on. Guys are grouchy and women are, I'm not even going to say. Okay? All right, we all know. Here's a funny thing. Here's a funny thing. <clears throat> In church, I know this is a bad word, if it's a bad word here at Sand Hill, it, it needs to not be a bad word. But in the Bible, it says that wives are to submit to their husbands. But you know, if you go down, and all oh, that makes me mad, and all that. Well, if you go down just a couple words, do you know that it says that we're all to submit to one another? You know what that means? Guys, there are no kings here. We're all a bunch of slaves working with each other. That means I submit to Steve, and I submit to Terry, and I submit to Miguel. I am, I am just a fellow slave, and I submit to Renee, and Renee submits to me, and we all submit to each other because we have one master, and there's no big eyes around here. They're all just a bunch of slaves reporting to the king. When you understand that, everything changes. So, guys, next time she's not perfect, be careful. The next time he's a grouch bag, be careful, right? They always talked about the daughters, but I wouldn't be too happy if someone was abusing my boys, Case and Callan or Josh, right? I'm just saying, it's a child of the king. They serve the same master. Let's, let's understand that and let's not be mean and grouchy with them. How awesome would church be? How, how awesome would it be if marriage inside the church would show the world, you know, every marriage fights and everything else, but sometimes the world or the Christian couples are just like the worldly couples and they, they don't love each other and they don't respect each other and they're mean to each other and they're hateful and they're mad all the time. Can I tell you, we ought to be showing the world what marriage is supposed to look like. Come on, guys, is that right? And if you're not, let's start today. 
I'm feeling really, really bold. Uh, the Lord's really just emboldened me with, with this, this new direction where, that we're going in for the new year. And I'm just saying, guys, and, and, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular pointing fingers at me, but I'm just saying this. If your marriage is not showing Jesus to the world, start today. If you're not being good to her, start today. If God, girls, if you're not being good to your husband, start today. Be a slave uh, to the master and treat your spouse right. Amen, preacher. It's good preaching. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.